Hey guys, before we start the show, I wanted to take a second and tell you about an amazing opportunity called SocialX. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world. They teach entrepreneurs how to grow from zero to six figures. Their weekly mastermind calls feature top business experts and entrepreneurs from various industries. They offer online courses as well as various events all over the country. If you're interested, DM Justin Caballero on Instagram at jcab. That's J-C-A-B. Welcome to the Venture Mentality Podcast. We're bringing you the insights and interviews from top entrepreneurs and high performers on how to reach your goals and overcome your challenges. Hosted by 18-year-old high school student and entrepreneur, Jacob O'Connor. Now, let's get right into the show. Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to the Venture Mentality Podcast, and I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us, we have the award-winning author, TEDx speaker, and founder of Kivo Daily, Dylan Kivo. What's up, Dylan? What's up, brother? Thanks for having me on here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad we can make this work. And just to start things off, I was hoping you could give us kind of 45 seconds just background about you know where you started and kind of build up to where you are now. Absolutely. So I'll try to make this quick for you guys. So I grew up in Southern California, a town called Corona. It's about 45 minutes south of L.A., and I grew up playing hockey. I've always been obsessed with, with business. And I've always had an entrepreneur mindset. I was kind of that kid that was selling the lemonade, the candy, and kind of like we all did as entrepreneurs now, right? So that was a lot of fun. It kind of gave me like the quick little uh, taste of what entrepreneurship was like, even though that's not, it's not the same as it is these days, especially when you grow up. But I've always been a hockey player. I played ever since I was three, three, four years old, all the way up until I was like 21, almost 22 years old. And I was trying to go to the NHL. That dream fell short. I quickly realized that with all these injuries that I had concussions and broken bones and ligaments that just it was I was not going to be able to make a career out of that. I quickly transitioned into firefighting after that. And I did it for about a year, year and a half. And I just I filled myself just I found myself not very happy in that career choice. And I don't know if it's just because like the things that I saw and like all like the treatment, you know, procedures that we had to do is very, very stressful. And from there I quickly realized that's that was not the long term play for me which was actually very hard. It was actually devastating to come to that you know, conclusion because it took you know, years and years just to get that position to begin with. It's very, very competitive. But long story short, I was not happy. So I was like, I want to do something else. I don't know what it's going to be, but I have to have something else. And so I started getting into website development, social media marketing, and I landed my first biggest client. He's worth, his company is worth about $2.7 billion right now in the MLM industry. And so he took, his name is Paul. He took me up under his wing. He told me everything about like, uh, the business, you know, morals and ethics and just how to build a successful foundation for a business. And so for, I took all that. And I also found out while I was working from him, uh, working for him, growing his personal brand, that PR was very powerful. So I quickly found the power of PR and said, holy crap, I want to do what I did for him, but duplicate, basically duplicate that for others. And so I quit working for him and just started my own company. That was about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And then here I am now. I love that story and I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think one of the key things that you just shared was kind of the mentor that you had from, from the person that you know you were doing you were working for them, but at the same time he was, took you under his wing. And I think for a lot of mm -hmm. young entrepreneurs, they don't really realize the power that a mentor can have in their development and they can catalyze you forward. So I was hoping you could kind of speak on like how one can go about finding a mentor and like how to properly use the relationship to, to you know get the best out of it that you can. Right. So I would say just from personal experience from not only having mentors in the past, but also starting to mentor like the younger generation, kind of like, you know, people 18 and below is 
the most important thing is making sure that that mentor is a perfect fit. And what I mean by that is just because they may be rich, that doesn't mean they're a perfect fit. Just because somebody knows how to make a lot of money doesn't necessarily know they have, they can teach somebody to make a lot of money. So it's, it's having that good relationship where it's not only about just business, but it's more lifestyle. So you really understand, like you have to almost take what, like who they are as an individual and really want to like, not only replicate that and duplicate it, but, but kind of become that person. So for example, if you're looking for a financial advice, you're looking for a mentor, a mentor to, you know, give you advice on where to invest money you're probably not going to go to a homeless person, not because they're not a good person, but because they probably don't have great advice when it comes to the finances, right? So you kind of look where they're at. And if they're, if you would trade, trade places with them, there's probably a good chance that, you know, they would be a great mentor for you. But to answer your question, to find that mentor, what I always recommend to people is give, 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 and eventually don't even ask, but you will receive. So it's like, if you give, for example, for me, right? I can do PR services. I can get people onto Forbes, MSNBC or whatever it is. If I see somebody like Gary Vee, for example, I can reach out to maybe not Gary Vee himself and his team, right? Because it can be very difficult to find that person. However, what I can do is offer a, just an array of publications that's going to help, even though his personal brand is always, you know, to the extreme, you can always get to the next rung on the ladder, right? So no matter where you are on that ladder, there's always that next rung for you to reach up to. So I can give value, a ton of value to somebody like that. And in, in, you know, in return, he's probably going to say, holy crap, Dylan Kivo is giving me so much value. What can I do in return? And more than likely, they will return the favor, not because you ask for it, because you almost make them feel like they have to. And it's not like do things and like manipulate to make them feel bad for you, but it's give, give, give so much value to where that's kind of like they want to return the favor and give you a gift back. Absolutely. And I think that's like the unspoken rule of entrepreneurship. Like if you add value first and you add value consistently over a long enough period of time, then 99% of the time you're going to end up getting something back. I think that's just kind of how mm -hmm. it works. Like in my short journey, that's, that's what I've been begun to see is I'll reach out to people and offer to add value into their life. And then in return, they're like, you know what, I'll do a podcast interview. I'll do this. I'll do that. And I think that if people kind of um, get out of the mindset of, I'm going to first ask this person for something and start mm -hmm. switching into how can I serve this person? And I think things will really change. Dude, absolutely. You, you completely hit it, man. Because for example, and this doesn't only work for mentors, this works for sales. This works for all aspects of life. Let me give you a great example. This time last year, I created an article that was top 10 CBD companies of 2018. We wrote it and published it on Buzzfeed and I did it for free, right? Normally would charge, you know, whatever. I probably could have got a couple thousand dollars, you know, just for that article alone. Cause it's Buzzfeed's a great, you know, credibility ad for all these, all these CV companies and to be named, you know, top 10 is it just, it's a great value ad. Right. So however, what I did is I did it for free. A lot of them sent me product, which was awesome. However, more importantly, I locked in about like seven out of 10 of those, those accounts as retained clients. So just that one article alone that again, I did it for free. I did it for absolutely free. I even took my own time to write the article pitch it and do all that stuff that article alone produced over a quarter million dollars for me one article that i did for absolutely free and it's like people are like oh but you know i'll do discounts or i'll do this no no no. do it for free show you prove your worth prove why prove why you know why you're so good at what you do and that you actually deserve them as your client and more than likely they will become your client because they see what you do and the point that I'm trying to make is I proved to them, hey, I can get you on a major publication. I don't want your money. I want your relationship. And once I got them on the bus, be like, holy crap, how do we get more? They get addicted to your service. But if you back up a little bit more, 
you need to identify the problem that you're trying to fix. And if your solution is a, is a real key fit, you're going to win every time. The biggest, the people that make the most money, like especially today, are the people that solve the biggest problems. Look at Google, look at Apple, look at Amazon. It's it's the writing's on the wall. There's not like you have to reinvent the wheel. Go after the biggest problem, and you probably will have the biggest bank account if you do it right and you follow all the steps. Obviously, now me personally, I like to help people with personal brands. I'm not. I know I'm not solving the biggest problem in the world. I'm okay with that. I really enjoy what I do, and I'm very passionate about it. And I think that's my success. I rate my success based on my hack off of my happiness, not necessarily how big my bank account is. Absolutely. And I think that to just kind of backtrack a little bit, people these days, they have too much of this instant gratification comp complex where, you know, like you could either A, you know, like you serve someone and you can either A, get money in return or you can get a relationship. And too many, mm -hmm. too many people are picking the money, but in reality, the, the long-term relationship that you develop would have been worth possibly 10 times with that initial cost that have been upfront. Absolutely, dude. I totally agree with you on that for sure. It's, so, it's amazing how many people think that like either like they should only give a discount or do something for the full price because they think they need to prove their worth. And I laugh at them because it's like, I, I'm not kidding you, bro. I would literally not be where I am today if I didn't do things for free. It's just, there's, there's no way to, there's no way around it. Exactly. It, it's just really, it all comes down to changing the mindset from what can I get to this person to how can I serve it? And this is in any field yeah. of life. It's totally ap applicable anywhere. I agree hundred percent, dude. And so I want to transition a little bit. Um, I was fascinated when I saw that you were a TEDx speaker because I know that TEDx is a very big event and, you know, to be a speaker, obviously that adds a ton of credibility to you. So how did that, um, how did that happen? What did you end up talking about when you gave your speech? So it's actually, it's really funny that you mentioned that. So, um, to be quite you know, transparent, so I have not done a TEDx talk yet. However, it is planned um, and it's going to happen next, next March of 2020. And it's actually gonna be in Nigeria, believe it or not. So it's not gonna be here in the US, it's not gonna be in Europe, it's actually gonna be in Nigeria. And they actually hit me up on Facebook. So they, they found me on Facebook and I don't know, I don't really know how they found me, all I know is it happened. And it's a very established you know, event that they have. It, they're all approved and it's all legit, which is awesome. So they're gonna fly me out there I believe it's going to be March 27th, if I'm not mistaken, but that's going to be all about media. So once that happens, I'll let you know exactly how it goes, but I'm super stoked for it. But that's how I made that, that happen. And it's pretty cool. So now that I have a connection with them, I can also help other people get TEDx talks, which is pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty attractive, you know, when people know that. That's so cool. And kind of like, you know, as you talked about before with um, doing things for free and establishing these, establishing these connections, you have your foot in so many doors right now. that, like, as you said, I can get you published here. I can get you published here. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your own platform. Now you have, um, you can get people to be TEDx speakers. You can really offer people a wide variety of different options of different services simply because you initially started out by doing things for free. It all, it all stems back from doing things for free. It's not only doing things for free too. It's, Strip just working your ass off. Like there's no magic pill for like hard work and like a hard work ethic, dude. That is the root of everything as far as business, dude. In order to be successful, you have to be willing to eat the shit to really taste the caviar. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you don't know what the shit tastes like, that caviar is not going to taste good because you don't have the, um, you don't have like the transparency between like good and bad, light and dark. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, they want to be successful, but they don't want to be, they don't, they don't want to do a, uh, uh, go through failures and it's like if you've never had a failure how the hell do you expect to know what a success looks like and it's it's quite funny because i i probably 
I probably fail at about 90 percent of things I do, but the ten percent of things that I that I succeed at, not only does it completely outweigh the failures, but it feels that much better. And it's like I'm shitty at a lot of things, and the little things that I'm very good at, I just I just double down on my strengths and I delegate my weaknesses. And there's no way, there's nothing else I need to do, man. That's kind of like I'm a very very simple businessman. I like to keep things very very simple. More importantly, because I have terrible ADD and my mind's already going to go crazy. So the more that I can simplify my day, my lifestyle, the more I can really stay centered. One hundred percent. And I think that too many people have this negative view on failure. Like they they don't realize that what failure does is it teaches you a lesson. You know, if you didn't fail in that instance, then you wouldn't have learned that lesson that in the future it's going to serve you. Yeah, dude, absolutely, man. hundred percent. And to kind of segue yet again, I was hoping you could talk about Kivo daily and what you're doing with that. Yeah, dude. So Kivo daily is my baby. Um, one, I will, and I'm putting this on record right now. I will never sell a majority of that company. I will always remain at least 51% or more. Right. So I started Kivo Daily. The birth of Kivo Daily came from the whole inception of the, even the thought of that came. I actually remember the day. It was January 18th, 2018. And the reason why I remember that is because it was about five or six in the morning. I woke up to an email from Ariana Huffington because obviously she owned Huffington Post. She sent out a mass email to about, I don't know, maybe five, 10,000 US contributing writers for the Huffington Post, right? And I remember reading it. I remember I felt sick. I was laying in bed. I was reading this. And I was like, holy crap, what's happening? It said, we are discontinuing all USA you know, contributors. And I was like, whoa, like that's massive. Not only is Huffington Post one of the biggest publications in the world, but I just lost contributorship to one of my most like pride, you know, uh, pride publications that I, was, that I had the, um, I was fortunate enough to be writing for. And so when that hit, I mean, I did have like clients on there and stuff, not on my own account, but other like buddies accounts where it's like, I'd pitch, you know, my client stories to like friends and you know, whatever. And they would just kind of do a favor and put, you know, put uh, my clients into the publication, like under their column. But once that happened, it really taught me that if I'm not controlling the, I don't want to say controlling the media, but controlling the platform, I'm putting, I'm putting all of my, my uh, clients at risk because not only am I, am I not going to control whether they get accepted or not, but I'm also not going to control the narrative of how the story is told. And so I was like, I'm going to control my, I'm just going to make up my own magazine that when I get clients, I can publish them there. It's going to look great. The SEO is going to be awesome. But just to back up a little bit more, I used to also write for Forbes Inc and entrepreneur magazine all at the same time. And this was like, this was literally about maybe a year, year and a half ago today. And I was writing for these publications and I noticed that all these major publications, they had all these voids. They were always allowing that, you know, the Fortune 500 CEO to come write for them and the Gary Vee's and the Tony Robbins of every industry, but nobody was ever allowing like the smaller fish in the industries to ever even have a chance to voice their opinion or teach or do whatever and really get their name out there. And so I felt like those people had just as much of a right as the people that were already well accomplished and, you know, veterans in the industry. I felt like I wanted to kind of put training wheels on upcoming entrepreneurs and give them a platform to feel like not only are they wanted in the industry, but their voice does matter. No matter what age you are, you have a lesson to teach and it may not be at a level of, Hey, let me show you how to make $20 million in a, you know, in a single year, but it may be, let me teach you how to be, um, how to be happy as like a kid is right. Like just like, very fearless and just like it's it's effortless effortless happy uh, happiness like i like to call it so no matter where you are and what stage you are in life and business and you know relationships you have a message that needs to be heard 
And I wanted to offer that to many people that really never had the opportunity. And even though Kibo Daily is only like a year and a half old, it's, it's hit like the top, it was like one or 2,000 websites in the country, 5,000 in the world. And so it, it's been really incredible to see like the trajectory and growth of that publication. And I mean, let's face it, it's a great, you know, PR, personal branding, you know, move for me, which is great. Um, my name isn't all over, besides me having like my last name on there, you don't see like, you know, come subscribe to Dylan Kivo and learn all about Dylan Kivo. In fact, there's a very small page on there that's about really about me as like the founder. So it's not really about me. It's more about helping others. And I feel like it's a great platform to use that, um, to do that as well, to complete that mission. That's amazing. And I think the fact that you're offering all these different perspectives, you know, like you're, you're completely right. You're not just getting the big business typhoons. You're getting also the, the younger mm -hmm. people. Them. They can offer different insights, you know, into their personal life. But at the same time, you can have um, someone who's starting a young company, you know, you're not, most people yeah. are going to interview someone with a young company, but by you doing that and allowing them to put that out there, that's going to help other people that are in like the same area catalyze off what they've learned, their failures, their growth hacks, you know, just things like that. Exactly. Exactly. I kind of think of Kibo daily more as my like pay it for your pay it forward type of, you know, platform. For example, I literally about not even three, four hours ago, I just had another podcast interview with, you know, he's a 13 year old entrepreneur and you know, he's, he's trying to figure out, figure out life. Obviously he's 13 years old, you know, what do you expect? But he lives in Nigeria, nice, you know, young kid. And it was crazy that like, dude, at his age, I was not doing what he's doing. I was probably playing with BB guns and climbing in trees, dude. Like the fact that all these young kids, like young, young kids are doing so well these days, dude, it's, it's amazing. And it's all, it's all, it all comes down to social media and the internet without those tools, these kids, me, even people older than me, we would not be excelling at the rate we are because we wouldn't have the correct tools to do so. We'd go back to newspapers and print magazines, dude. It, things have changed a ton. And I personally think it's changing for the better, but it's changing so fast. And so if you can't keep up, you're going to get left behind. And I think that with all the new information being put out there, it's so much easier now to do things that in the past would have been complex. I think that, you know, really as a society, that's going to help propel us forward in certain areas because you have people with publications out that are telling you how to do certain things. They're providing your failures so you can learn how to grow from those. And it's helping people honestly just push their, push the progress forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, I love how you say that too. Like one thing I'm huge on is failing forward and failing a lot, failing fast. I love, I love it when I lose. I love it when I fail because it teaches you lessons that it hits you right in the gut and it teaches you permanent lessons that you will never forget. And that's one thing that winning doesn't do. Winning feels great in the moment, but it doesn't typically have long lasting effects like losing does and failures. And I truly believe that in order for somebody to be successful, they have to go through this shit in order to, to really appreciate the wins and to be able to really hold that trophy up high. You have to understand what it feels like to lose because without those, those like losing failure experiences, you're not really going to know what to do. Cause I personally think that it's just as important to learn what not to do as it is to learn what to do correctly. Absolutely. But also going along with that, you know, like when you lose, you, most people in the moment, they're not like, oh, this is great. Like, obviously you can learn from, of it, course. from it, but it sucks in the moment. But how do you handle like the failures and the stress whenever that everything just seems like it's coming piling down on you? Because I think that a lot of the young entrepreneurs, like the 13 year old you're talking about, the younger kids, mm -hmm. they don't really know, like they're kind of lacking with how to deal with mental stress and things like that. So how do you personally go about it? You know, I think life is all about expectations. I think people get so upset and so down on themselves when 
their life doesn't un- unfold just like the perfect movie that they have playing in their head, right? So I think, you know, if they think one, you know, their businesses are going to go this way and they're going to be the next, you know, 18-year-old millionaire from Amazon, but that doesn't happen. I think people, they fail, but they fail honestly before they fail. And what I mean by that is they set themselves up for failure. I think if people kind of change their mindset and perception of what failure really means, me personally, I think failure in losing or those two words specifically are only put into fruition when you allow them to. What I mean by that is if you come through, let's just say you're trying to learn Facebook ads and you know, you're not getting leads and you can't figure it out. You just feel like the whole world is crushing down on you. You just can't figure out how to make money. That just means you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean that you're going to give up. I think when you give up is when you fail and when you fail, that's when you lose. And I don't think, I think it's either you win or you become wise. Um, I think that, most people take failure as like, oh shit, I did something wrong and you know, I'm dumb and I can't figure this out. I mean, you look at, I mean, Thomas Edison, right? It's like 999 failures before, you know, the light bulb, right? It's like, it's like you, you come from that perspective. And as long as you have the right perspective of what failure is and how you can achieve every single obstacle, I think, I think your, your day changes completely. Everything's perception, man. I think just set yourself up knowing that shit's probably not going to go my way. And when it doesn't, that's okay. And I'm going to get up, you know, I'm going to get up eight times, even though I fall seven. So I think it's just having the right mindset, to be honest with you, of knowing dude, life is a roller coaster. Business is a roller coaster. Health is a roller coaster. What makes you think that making money is going to be any easier? It's not like, it's not like we're given the tools in school to learn how to make money. Of course not. So I don't know, man. I think it's, I think it's all just having the mindset of it's not failure. It's, it's learning, you know, we're all going to have those failures in life. Of course we are. I don't think life would be fun if everything was just, you know, rainbows, right? No way. 100%. And I think that a lot of people need to get accustomed to change. They have to be able to adapt because you look at these really successful entrepreneurs, the people that are doing the big things, the big sports players, even you know, like the professionals, what they're able to do is they're able to take a failure and they bounce back because they can adapt to the change in the environment and the change in the circumstances. hundred percent, dude. hundred percent. Absolutely. Sweet, sweet. And before I forget, where can people find you online if they want to reach out? I would say, oh man, uh, Instagram would probably be the, the best. It's just at Dylan Kivo, D-I-L-L-O-N-K-I-V as in Victor O. Um, either that or even my email. It's just Dylan at DylanKivo.com pretty simple. Um, yeah, I would say those are the two easiest avenues for sure. Sweet. And I'll link those. Um, before we go, I've got one last question, but first a little bit of background. So when you die, the only thing that matters is the difference that you made and the impact that you had. So with that being said, what difference do you want to have made? And what impact do you want to have had? Oh man. Um, I would say, see, this is a great question because there's so many, there's so many different facets to this. I would say if, if I could almost teach people to learn not to live with regret, but to more so accept it and overcome it, that would probably be number one, because I honestly believe life is not about money. It's not about the cars and the nice watches. It's about living a full, like fulfilled life. And that's, that looks, that looks a million different ways to different people. I know some people that, for example, you know, I was a firefighter. I have a lot of buddies who were, you know, who are my old, you know, colleagues and stuff where they're making $45,000, $50,000 a year and they are happier than, than all hell, dude. Like they are the happiest people. They've got, you know, the white picket fence, the American dream, you know, 
two two beautiful kids and that's and that's their life. And then you got some of these other people that I know that, you know, they're C-level, C-level executives at, you know, Google, Apple, and they are making millions of dollars and they are just miserable. So I think at the end of the day, it's just like deciding to follow your heart, but make sure that you're following like your true path and being very honest and transparent with yourself, not trying to lead a life that you think others think is cool. Because I did that personally. And it was the worst mistake ever. Like what I was talking about, the whole firefighter thing. I think just living your life to the fullest of what you think that looks like and writing the script of your story and living that not based off of what other people's opinions may be towards your life. Cause at the end of the day, dude, if you're 80 years old sitting in that rocking chair with a cup full of regrets, that's a pro- that's a big major problem that you may not be able to solve. And if I could help people avoid that, that's probably my number one thing. <laughs>